I'm back from uh, a couple days of a working vacation. Um, my wife had shifts she had to work, and I had work I had to do, but I could take the kids up to be on a mini vacation with my brother and his family. Um, so that's what I did. Carved all yesterday, uh, and then today we drove back. Um, I was thinking yesterday as I was carving for the Spoon of the Month Club about how much having the Spoon of the Month Club and just having orders in general gave me external motivation to do the work that ultimately gave me internal satisfaction. And I think this is the thing that people struggle with the most with staying motivated and it's what I want to talk about today. A lot of times, it seems to me, people who get into something, if they are not doing it for a business, then they are motivated by the initial rush, the, it's like falling in love, the, the, the rush of excitement and enjoyment over something new and learning something new. And discovering this whole new thing. And discovering new things about yourself. And then that wears off. And by and large, you either find a way to continue learning new things and enjoying it. Or you stop doing it. Something like spoon carving, but it could be anything. Those of us who figure out how to keep enjoying it, largely it's because we have figured out a way to make it at least part of what we do for a living. But there is a significant cohort of people who do it for a living who still struggle with motivation because they are approaching it from the aspect of, uh, of an artist. And not just an artist, but an artist who somehow believes that the most, that if they don't do something out of some pure artistic desire, creative desire to see what something will be, then that somehow pollutes the work that is done or makes it inferior. I came across a term a couple days ago as I was um, doing a bunch of research on artists to try and figure out what it is that I want to pursue with my own painting, as that's a new and exciting part of my life, but I don't really know anything about it or the art scene other than the big obvious names. But one of the, a term that I came across that I, I think I'd heard before, but I couldn't quite place it, so I had to look it up, was pot boiler. Somebody was described as a pot boiler artist. And when I looked it up, it, it's used for painters, writers, playwrights, anyone, novelists, who, who produces work that they know will sell rather than taking creative risks. Producing work that you know will sell in order to sustain your standard of living. And somehow, in our culture, but probably not in every culture, this idea that you would pursue something because it made economic sense somehow makes it uh, not as artistic or not as true that has somehow percolated down to the spoon carving scene, at least. 
as many people feeling like um, they want to just make what they want to make because otherwise it takes the fun out of it. Otherwise it takes the growth and creativity out of it. And what I think they've done is set up a false paradigm. I think the examples they give of what happens if you don't just make exactly what you want to make, that's just one end of the spectrum, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's there that they could be doing, such as like what I do, I would say, where I mostly work from commissions or a structure like the Spoon of the Month Club. And they say, well, if I can't, you know, if I can't do exactly what I want to do, then it's going to kill all the joy for me. Uh, but then they struggle with motivation. So I've come to feel like the, I, I read the potboiler definition and I thought, well, what the heck's wrong with that? And trust me, I can understand how for an artist who is trying to build a reputation on sort of the creativity of their vision, that producing work that is designed to sell might feel like it is mm, not doing that to its best. But I would argue that there's actually a lot of stuff that comes from potboiler work. There's a lot of mastery of a of technique and also a deep rumination on what matters on the deeper artistic level that people who value sort of creativity and would scorn potboiler pot boiler work don't appreciate. Think about it this way. I think I get off the hook in, with spoon carving because people understand that I have a, a business and because spoon carving is seen as a craft, I can get away with saying, eh, these are my forms. You're going to order one of these forms. I'm open to doing, trying new ideas, but, you know, if you want to order something, consider ordering one of these. And I know that they will sell. Um, and if I wasn't just taking commissions, if I was um, creating batches of work and putting them for sale like so many of my peers do, I would know what forms to make in order to have them sell well, and I would do that. And not only is that considered fine, it's actually considered, it's the thing that, that is impressive. And I would argue that that kind of work, the work where there's some external thing pushing you to do work, the commissions and the Spoon of the Month Club, where you have a certain number of things that you have to do in order to meet your obligations, that pushes you to be motivated. It pushes you to stay motivated in the face of all of the swings in mood and temperament that might happen over the course of months or years. So... What I see in a bunch of my peers who produce batches of work, put them up for sale, not only do I see from a technical aspect that this is weaker because it doesn't give you the data, I also feel like it leaves them more exposed 
to changes in their own mood in terms of the motivation that they bring to their work. And so if you are experiencing this and you struggle with motivation, there is um, it's not a simple solution, but here is the solution I would suggest. Start accepting commissions. Try to work to a place where you have a wait list of work for you to do. Continue to hold open the possibility that you can do creative work whenever it speaks to you because you are in command of your own schedule. And if you want to make something different today because you're feeling it, then you're feeling it and that's what you do. And all the work shifts around you. But if you aren't feeling it, then there is a list of orders waiting to be completed and you do the work. And in doing the work, in boiling the pot, in making pot boilers, you are learning so much that you wouldn't learn if you only did the thing that you do when the mood struck you, when you were feeling inspired. Economic necessity, or even if you don't need the money, but just you're doing it because you told people you would, that has always led to some of the best work. Now, economic necessity can also sometimes lead to some pretty shoddy work. And that's what people a lot of times point out. But whether economic necessity leads to shoddy work or economic necessity leads to some of your best work is going to partly depend on you and the small choices you make moment to moment, right? Do you throw out that spoon? Do you throw out that spoon blank because it doesn't meet your standards and you just know it? And you're not going to put that out into the world? Or, and I've done both of those things many times, or do you use the external framework of motivation to get you to do stuff beyond what you would have thought yourself capable this is exactly what people do to themselves when they train for a marathon or a triathlon. The external structure provides the kick of motivation in a steady, sustained way that otherwise wouldn't be there. Because nobody, I don't care who you are, I don't care how motivated a person you think you intrinsically are, nobody stays motivated forever. We all have our down days, we all have down weeks, some of us have down months and down years. And one of the ways to not only get yourself out of it, but also to regulate it in the first place is to have an economic or other external reason for doing the work. Because a lot of times when you do the work, it changes your mood. And if you're waiting for your mood to change before you do the work, you could wait a long time. But if you do the work, then it changes your mood and it kickstarts a virtuous ratchet in the other direction that helps you get better and better and helps you get more and more motivated. But it starts by committing to some external framework. And so many people are scared to do that. Scared because there's this idea of creative vision that, like I said, I think is overblown. 
scared because they think that they're going to produce shoddy work, which, as I said, I think you can uh, put quality controls on what you do to make sure that that's not the case and be making the right choices to make sure that that's not the case. But that's like saying that when someone is in a race that, you know, oh, I don't want to be in a race because it's going to make me want to cheat when I'm falling behind. And that might be true for somebody, but for a lot of people, they're going to be in the race and falling behind is going to make them want to work even harder than they possibly could have. And they may not win the race, but they'll do a hell of a lot better than if they weren't racing against other people. It's a strange analogy coming from me because I'm notoriously one of the least competitive people I know when it comes to competitions that I could arbitrarily win or lose, that have an arbitrary end. But I'm one of the most competitive people I know when it comes to open-ended competitions. Competitions of who's going to produce the most value over their lifetime, who's going to leave the greatest legacy, who's going to have the most impact. And that's a competition that I'm very keen on participating in. In large part because it doesn't have some stupid arbitrary end date. And so if I'm not winning it right now, that doesn't mean I can't win it later. It just means that I'm not winning it right now. So, I think you need to ask yourself honestly, am I, do I have a knee-jerk reaction against the idea of producing pot boilers, of producing that work that has an external framework of providing you with an income? And you need to let go of the idea of the starving artist. This was something that I really struggled to let go of because I was steeped in it growing up. I always assumed I would be an artist or a writer because I couldn't imagine working really for someone else. And I was creative in that way. And I gobbled up these stories and these tropes and these archetypes. And I inhaled and embodied the myth that if you wanted to do something creative with your life, that it meant being starving and struggling your whole life. Because if the world understood your vision or accepted it, or if you did something that worked and people wanted it, then that must somehow not be the thing that you should be doing. If it wasn't pushing people's buttons or on the edge in some way that would not be recognized for another 20 years, then you weren't doing important work. I am here to tell you, I think that is bullshit. And I think it is certainly possible to be on the edge and to be producing work that is not important or interesting. And I think it is possible to be producing pot boilers that are the same. But I also think it's possible to be on the edge and producing work that is valuable and important And I also think it is impossible to be producing pot boilers that are the same. As in, the discipline of doing the work 
gets you to a place that you could never have been at before. Gets you a level of technical skill, gets you a level of engagement with whatever it is that you're doing, gets you a level of understanding of different nuances or just further in the line of exploration than you otherwise would have gotten. It seems to me that so much of what we appreciate in something that we consider masterfully done is not just the freshness and creativity. When something is masterfully done, it is uh, coming from a place of deeper expertise than just the idea of it. It's coming from a place where that idea is tied in also to uh, so much technical skill and understanding. And you get that from producing pot boilers if you do it the right way, if you do it in a thoughtful way that where you are preserving the ability to learn the skills. And I think this is where it comes down. This is going to be a long episode because clearly I have a lot to say, so bear with me. I think it comes down to uh, the process that you allow to exist for your process, right? So in the spoon carving scene, while I am, don't really care if somebody uses a bandsaw or not, I know for myself that A, unless you really knew what you were doing in a way that you probably had to learn from using an ax, you wouldn't use the bandsaw. Using the bandsaw would not necessarily create good spoon blanks. Now it's possible to use the bandsaw and really know what you're doing and produce excellent spoon blanks, but that's knowledge gained from probably from using an ax. And for me, well, I don't really care if someone else uses a bandsaw. It's not the skill that I want to become proficient at. I want to become proficient at using an ax. And for that, I need thousands and thousands of hours of work doing it. And for that, I need a structure, an external structure that demands that of me. And so while I could take my spoon carving business, my spoon blanks business, and probably double or triple its volume by using a bandsaw and justify growing my business in that way, I wouldn't be achieving the larger goals that I want to achieve. So I get it. I think, I think it's possible that people put, uh, decide on where that marker is. It's so different for everybody that for some people, the marker they don't want to put on it is, um, is to my mind too close to, it puts them in a position of only producing work that they want to produce and then trying to sell it. And that to me is over the line because it puts you at the mercy of your own mood swings because, and it also puts you at the mercy of the vagaries of the market, but that's a business decision. But from a personal artistic sense, it puts you at the mercy of your own mood swings because you have failed to place any external requirement of you on your time. And then three months go by, 
and you realize you haven't done any of the things that you could have been doing. And maybe you use that time well, right? Maybe you use that time in ways that uh, furthered you in other ways. But if your goal is to gain mastery, real skill, real growth, and there's plenty of research that shows that growth in something is what makes you happy. If your goal is to have growth in this thing that you do, then putting an external framework on it where you have made an obligation to yourself to do this thing will help you get there in a way that nothing else can. And I think even if you want to see yourself as an artist, as a spoon carver, I think it's important to use this idea, use this tool to make yourself the best damn artist you can be and not be worried that you're boiling the pot because that largely to me feels like an arbitrary thing that people have placed upon artists throughout the years as a way to dismiss the mastery that they've gained. That's not to say that somebody, uh, it's not to say that somebody hasn't been a pot boiler and really been mediocre, but there's a way in which practicing your skill just makes you better. It just does. And my goal is to be like the Chinese artist in the parable who was asked by the emperor to draw him a picture of some cranes. And the artist said, sure, sure, I'll let you know when I'm ready. And years go by. And finally, after years and years, the emperor storms back to the artist's hut and comes inside and he finds the artist and he says, what's going on? Where's my picture of cranes? And the artist says, oh yes. And he sits down and in less than a minute, whoop, 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 produces the most astonishing, breathtaking picture of cranes the emperor has ever seen. And he got even more mad and he said, why didn't you do this years ago when I asked you to? And the artist pulled back a curtain to another room that was stuffed with drawing after drawing after drawing after drawing after drawing after drawing after drawing of cranes in all postures and all ages of life. And what's clear from this parable is that it is the practice that makes you good at something. And it is the practice that gives you the artistic vision of what is possible. And if you need external motivation, if you struggle with external motivation, and some people don't, some people are just motivated, but I think everyone stops being motivated or struggles with being motivated at some point. And if you do struggle with that, then find a way to produce pot boilers in the best possible sense of the word, where you commit to producing work 
and you produce it. Because in that discipline, you will learn things that you otherwise couldn't learn. And when your motivation comes back to you, you will be so far further along than you otherwise would be. It's not even close. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk tomorrow.